we kept hearing, we don't need to hear from people from West Hollywood or whatever. We just need to hear from residents. But we were able to turn out just the garden variety people. And they all said, we just want to be able to ride a bike. We're going to have 16 speed humps and three roundabouts and 114 new enhanced crosswalks and... 114, get out of here. It's going to help people get to school. It's going to help people get to the Orange Line. It's going to help people get to the LA River. Uniting a lot of neighborhoods and and making these corridors for biking and connectivity to the Orange Line real. $2 billion for this out of the surplus, we feel is a very important next step so that we can see these bike highways. This is the right year to make sure we make a big bet on active transportation. But I think we're going to call you the Oprah of like the same. <laughs> oh, it's it's like, yeah, you're know. just like giving us money. money. Like, we're going to get millions of dollars. Like, <laughs> you get a curb cut and you get a curb cut. I'm not you get a giving away traffic circle. This isn't just some engineer in a back room. It needs to be from the community. Welcome to Bike Talk KPFK. We're doing it on Zoom until all this COVID madness is over, and we'll be back in the studio. And my co-host Nick Richard and myself, Don Ward, are here today with some great guests, as always. Uh, first up, we have Mark Elliott of Better Bike Beverly Hills, and he's going to talk to us about the Beverly Hills Complete Streets Plan, which was just recently passed. And then later on, we're going to get Deborah Murphy and uh, Hillary Norton on. And uh, we're going to talk some some uh, Canoga Park and statewide issues. Uh, welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you, Don. I want to thank you and thank Nick for for running like the the longest uh, 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 bike uh, uh, broadcast here in our area. I mean, it's just I think a fantastic achievement. Uh, so I I love you guys to crank it out. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah, the the news here from. Beverly Hills is the uh, city council last Tuesday adopted a complete streets plan still on the books. We had a 1977 bicycle master plan, you know, back from the early bike renaissance in the seventies, they just left the old plan on the books. And uh, because, uh, you know, I had a couple of close calls here in Beverly Hills and I started wondering, well, where's, where's the infrastructure, the bike lanes and all that. And so I looked online, I found this 1977 plan. And so I called city staffers and kind of basically asked, well, this can't be right, right? Can't, we're, we can't be operating off a 1977 plan. Yeah, well, we know it needs to be updated. And so I got involved in 2010 and just started working my way into the uh, small gears that are, you know, that are Beverly Hills City Hall. And um, I started going to the traffic and parking uh, meetings and started interacting with uh, city council and city council members and before long, you get to know everyone in a small town. You know, we're just 39,000 people here. And ever since then, I've just been keeping on the pressure. You know, you know when are we going to update that bike plan? How are we going to incorporate mobility into all the things that Beverly Hills does, all the decisions we make, all the policies? You know, where's the mobility aspect? It's, it's just always been, uh, been gone. Over the last 10 years, we kind of basically just pushed council into acknowledging the need to update that 1977 bicycle plan. And that was made actually a city council priority back in 2016 because of pressure from Metro. You know, Metro requires an approved complete streets plan for grant money. City council said, okay, we're just going to fold that bike plan update into a complete streets plan. Uh, if you remember, we, city council approved those high visibility lanes for Santa Monica Boulevard, still the biggest and I would argue maybe the only win in Beverly Hills, but a very significant win. Just around the time they approved those Santa Monica bike lanes, they kicked off a complete streets planning process and through 2018 where the workshops and everything, you know, the, the walk audits, the whole thing, they hired iTerrace and uh, iTerrace Consulting hired Alta Planning. So like, you know, it was like a pretty good process going. And they came back with a draft plan in early uh, 2019. And that's when the NIMBYs got um, got wind of it, and all of a sudden, it was you know what's going on. We just we didn't we never heard about this. Literally three voices, old school Beverly Hills on the north side. We didn't hear about this. You know what are you taking away? And it's a same story that's played out everywhere, and that caused the city to kind of put a pause on the draft plan. It's a pretty good plan. It's got a lot of a lot of good pro bike and pro mobility policies. A citywide 
proposed citywide bike network. We're really able, just working with staff entirely behind the scenes, really able to kind of wedge a lot of the things that we wanted in there. Uh, but then the, the NIMBYs put the brake on it. That was December 2019. It put the brake on the process for a year towards the end of 2020 in December. Council uh, hired a mediator basically to kind of mediate between the two sides, right? The NIMBY side and the pro bike side. And, you know, surprise, only one NIMBY showed up. We had probably half a dozen pro bike people. We didn't want to flood the thing because we were looking for a dialogue. One NIMBY shows up. <laughs> there was really nobody to talk to. Coming out of that, the city took their time and teed it up uh, for council consideration uh, in April. That happened last Tuesday. And we were able to turn out some great folks, almost entirely residents, because we kept hearing, we don't need to hear from people from West Hollywood or whatever. We just need to hear from residents, win over those enemies. Well, that's never going to happen. But we were able to turn out families to call in, you know, pe- not, you know, non-spandex people, you know, just the garden variety people. And they all, the last person said, we just want to be able to ride a bike. We like riding during COVID. You know, we like, want to be able to get around. You know, streets are too dangerous. And so um, in kind of an anticlimactic moment, council by uh, unanimous uh, consensus, which was four to, uh, four to O because one was, one was out. They said, yeah, we adopt the plan and the city attorney says it's a done deal. So I guess we call it a done deal. So, so I, I want- they, yeah. they adopted the plan. Do you, you know, they've adopted plans in the past and <laughs> will uh-huh. they implement it, I guess is the question. Like, right. Well, that's always the challenge, right? The shelfware. Beverly Hills has a lot of shelfware plans, including a sustainable city plan from 2009. And I have never heard a city council member or a commissioner ever once make reference to that plan. Like, oh, right. our sustainable city plan says it was, you know, put on the shelf. And so, of course, that's our fear that it happens here. But, um, you know, we're just going to keep the pressure on. So we don't want right. to the shelf. I'm just curious about the grant money that Metro provides. Beverly Hills, you say, did it to get the grant money. Is it contingent on them implementing Complete Streets or do they just have to have a plan and Metro's like, okay, you guys got a plan, here's your money. Yeah. And then Metro yeah. doesn't care after that or does Metro well, hold them accountable? Uh, you know, that's a, a question really for somebody smarter than me. And I, I, honestly, I don't, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I know that the approved plan is is what the requirement is. And that's what the city staff has been focusing on the whole time. And, you know, at every step we have to say, well, it's not just about a com- approved plan, it's about improvements. But as far as, as, far as I know, it's just a, uh, an approved plan. Then it's really up to us to continue to do that, you know, that local lifting and, you know, get the improvements. Well, Mark, thank you. Thank you so much for the update on what you're doing in Beverly Hills. And, uh, you know, I got to say that was a big, 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 big victory to get the bike lanes on Santa Monica. That was just the missing link forever. So we really thank you for your work on that, man, and what you're doing in Beverly Hills. It's funny, you know, Beverly Hills is a small city, but it sits in between you know, uh, it, the beach and everybody on the east side, and it's an important missing link. So the work you're doing is very important citywide, Mark. We really appreciate yeah, it. Well, I appreciate it. I mean, unfortunately, there's not really a, a safe alternate route if you're crossing town. You know, right. Wilkes is problematic, Olympics problematic, Sunset's a disaster. Um, but I, I just want to close by saying we couldn't have done that without all the folks that showed up. I mean, we had 40 to 60 people at those meetings, meeting after meeting. Knowing all those people allowed us to go back for this recent Complete Streets meeting and cherry pick the people who we wanted to talk, the mothers and the, uh, the, the, the kids and the people who just need to get around and, and just to kind of, you know, defang the NIMBY opposition who's always talking about out-of-towners and spandex people and all, the, all those bogus arguments. And, and we did. I, you know, I heard from a council member, like, you guys turned out just the right people. And we couldn't have done that without all the folks along the way who rode in, you know, rode in from the east side. I think you were there, Don. I mean, come on, these people really hauled ass across town to come to these meetings and, uh, and never got discouraged. So, so I just want to thank everyone for doing that. Cool, man. Uh, that was Mark Elliott of Better Bike Beverly Hills. Do you have a social media contact for our audience to check you out? I'm an old guy, so I'm just... I just have, um, you know, I tried Twitter. Or website or Twitter. Yeah, okay. yeah, better, 
Yeah, betterbike.org is the website, and uh, I'm a little lazy posting to it. I'll get back with a full update in the next week. Awesome. Uh, Mark, we're going to have you on again in the future with updates. And, yeah. Uh, and, uh, definitely, whenever you need people out, contact us, and uh, we'll put the word out. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was Mark Elliott from Better Bike Beverly Hills. And uh, I didn't know that Beverly Hills only has 39,000 people. That's kind of amazing. Mm. We're going to bring on next up Deborah Murphy and Hillary Norton. Deborah Murphy is an urban design and planning principal, active transportation planner, designer, and grant coordinator. And she's the founder of LA Walks. She does the things in the background that cause these big agencies to do things. Um, and that is insanely important work that just doesn't get seen by the public. <laughs> and uh, we have Hillary Norton also who's coming on. She's the chairwoman of the California Transportation Commission. Uh, welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Hi, Don. How are you? Good. All right. Nice to see you. Yeah, <laughs> nice to see you too, Deborah. It's been a while. Yeah. Great to be here, Don. Nice to see you too. Good to see you guys. So you kind of, you guys were on when we were talking to Mark about Beverly Hills and um, they've got a grant from Metro, which is the kind of thing that, that you've been working on as well, right? Deborah, that's, that's sort of your realm of expertise. And we, we, we brought up the question of whether Metro is actually gonna hold Beverly Hills accountable or how does, how does this process work? Do you, can you shed some light on that? Well, I'll do a little and then Hillary can also chime in um, at the statewide level. So Metro provides funding for cities to write complete streets plans because it's required by the state of California for cities to have a complete streets plan. So they provide them some training about how to do the, do the plan and, and, and um, to fund for the staff. So um, Metro then over time is, you know, they're, they don't have any jurisdiction per se over a city to make them build those bike lanes. It's more through the Council of Governments on the, in the West Side cities who, um, you know, kind of work with SCAG and look at um, plans from the different communities to try to get them implemented. So, um, you know, Beverly Hills, the city of LA and the West Side areas, Culver City, West Hollywood and Beverly Hills are all in this Council of Governments together. So they try to help push to get things happening in each of the districts um, and to hold them accountable. Uh, and then Metro, you know, just through its policy making tries to do that, but they have no formal authority to say, well, you aren't doing this right, but they're not like, they're not gonna give them a grant to implement a project that doesn't meet their plan. So um, there, there's, there's hooks there um, to make sure it's more about the money and the kind of pressure of the other West Side communities. But Hillary can probably shed some other light. Well, I think it's also a basis for um, funding. And so you need to be within the plan and it helps network you up for CTC money and others. You know, now that there's a broadened complete streets funding in um, through Caltrans and with more active transportation program funds, this is going to help be the basis for saying here are the next things we can do to actually build out the networks and we're very excited about that and so there may be discussions about projects piece by piece but as Deborah said it needs to be shown that it is a full network and I'm excited to see it because now you know Beverly Hills was the missing piece in the Wilshire BRT they've been the missing piece with some of the other projects um, like the Purple Line and so now it's going to be helpful to see, okay, now you know this transit is coming or the transit exists with the BRT. How are you going to network that up with good pedestrian amenities and good bike amenities so you can have a great network of transportation and not just these individual projects that aren't connected? Yeah, because what we all talk about is this gap closure. So San Juan Boulevard comes all the way through West Hollywood, stops at the border with Beverly Hills. And then, you know, what does it do on the other side? So the gap closure kind of thing is something that Metro likes to fund, Caltrans likes to fund. So this is a key um, thing. And the peer pressure from those other cities will help uh, make that demand. And the Crenshaw North uh, 
line that uh, Metro is studying right now, another thing about how do you make connections uh, to, to transit and Metro has money under their Metro Active Transportation Program called MAT. Um, it replaces the Metro call for projects and it's all about building stuff near transit stations. And because uh, ones in Beverly Hills aren't built yet and they're gonna open, what, you know, four or five years from now, um, there'll be some funding to do more pedestrian bike improvements around those stations. So th those are the hooks. And do we feel like Beverly Hills is gonna follow through on this? Like uh, they're, they're obligated at this point or, right, or? They're obligated to follow their plan unless they revise their plan. And then they're, they're not gonna get the funding to, to do anything. You know, if they don't do this complimentary pedestrian bike thing, they're not gonna just get money to do road improvements because Metro is not funding road improvements or funding pedestrian and bike improvements. Okay, that's kind of the question we had earlier yeah. was. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the hook. And yeah. the community okay. like Mark have to be there, you know, at their heels and, you know, don't let them forget. Is it possible? I mean, they could forget, right? If there isn't enough pressure, like they they're not obligated. Or am I misunderstanding this? Yeah, I mean, nobody's obligated to do anything, really. I mean, you know, it's uh, yeah, they could just leave everything the way it is, and if they don't invest any money, then they don't do anything. So they can get a lawsuit, <laughs> and somebody says you have to implement this to reduce your vehicle miles traveled, or you have to do this to meet greenhouse gas things. But most of that right now is all tied to funding, not tied to demands. You know, we, we don't even build enough housing. You know, the state tells the cities how much housing they should build. City doesn't own that much land. It's up to the developers to build the land. You know, so there's all of these things that are, that we're in the same boat with, not just related to transportation. Deborah, you recently scored a grant I apologize. I'm not the most articulate person when it comes to talking about all this stuff. This is like wonky stuff in. that, yeah. But you got us some big money out in the valley in Canoga Park. Let's talk about that. Sure. So over the last like 13 years, I've been writing lots of grants, mainly for the city of Los Angeles to fund active transportation, pedestrian and bike projects, um, open space and climate adaptation projects. The number has now gone up to $278 million that I've helped um, cities and nonprofits um, uh, get for these projects. Yeah, we're going to so, do a yeah, round of awesome. applause. Yay, awesome. Very proud of that. But it's also been about getting, <laughs> getting them properly implemented. But so I often get hired by LA Metro they, similar to what Mark talked about this grant, they pay for grant writers to help cities apply for statewide funding and other funding. So there is a program at the state level that's run by the California Transportation Commission, which Hillary is involved with and is chair of the commission, along with Caltrans, called the Active Transportation Program, ATP. So um, the whole goal of the ATP program is to shift uh, mode of travel from driving to more walking and biking to make it safer to increase the number of trips people take by walking and biking and getting on public transportation, making it safer. So we reduce crashes. Um, and we don't call them accidents. There's no such thing as an accident. Everything's a crash or collision. There's usually a reason behind everything. Um, and, um, you know, help build community and it, uh, make a connected network of improvements that really can be transformative for a community and that they utilize some innovative um, techniques and technologies. So the city of LA decided they needed a grant writer. Um, I was assigned to the Canoga Park project to work with the Bureau of Street Services on a project that they had initiated under a planning uh, grant to look at kind of the downtown area of Canoga Park. Um, because Climate Resolve, um, who is a, a, is a nonprofit who, who looks at how we're gonna deal with uh, climate change, and particularly in the Valley where it's very hot, um, wanted to address urban cooling kinds of issues, along with uh, transportation improvements 
Um, they worked with Alta Planning and Design with the council office and um, Streets LA to come up with a concept idea for what needed to be done in Canoga Park to address urban cooling and uh, pedestrian and bike and transit connection uh, improvements around the Sherman Way Orange Line Station. Um, so that's a Sherman Way kind of between um, Owen's Mouth and, and DeSoto. So, pardon me. So and there's a there's a little town there. If you yeah, Sherman yeah, yeah, Way along, no, Owen's Mouth is very it's, cool. It's really charming right there. Yeah, exactly. Like so that's really the, the heart of the proposed project is is Owen's Mouth. Um, you know, it's just a little bit over from um, Topeka Canyon, the big mega street that um, all the major shopping centers are on. But here's this great little downtown. And it's also a disadvantaged community because one of the focuses of the ATP program is to fund improvements where people are already walking and biking, where they're already taking public transportation, but the area is not safe and convenient and there's lack of connections and all that kind of good stuff. So um, we were able to take the kind of independent concept ideas that were developed in that climate resolve, also planning and design plan and develop it with street services into a network of improvements. So there's like seven miles of new improvements for people walking and biking. The area is all the way like from Valerio at the north down to Van Owen on the south. So that's like a mile. And then from like Topeka Canyon over to Browns Creek. So it's a really you know big area. Um, it'll have about uh, two miles of new cycle track. Most of that is on Owen's mouth. So that'll be a protected uh, bike lane um, all the way from Valerio down to Van Owen. We'll have about three quarters of a mile on Sherman Way from the Orange Line Station over to DeSoto. And then some connections because this is right near the LA River. And a lot of these streets have a hard time when they get, you know, they've got the um, LA River there, but people can't um, adequately get to the river from the surrounding streets. So there's some better connections there. As well, there's no good connections on many of the north-south streets to get over to the Orange Line bike path. So there is some new pedestrian bike signals that will connect people, because right now you have to go like a half mile out of your way to cross safely at a traffic line at Sherman Way or all the way down at, at Bassett. So they'll get those improvements. There's eight schools in this neighborhood. So they'll get on, on Valerio and on uh, Varial. There'll be speed humps along there. There'll be mini roundabouts at the intersections. All these things to do traffic calming to wow. make better people walking and biking. Yeah, so we've got That's like, amazing. Uh, I, I got numbers here. I got all kinds of numbers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're gonna have um, 16 speed humps and three roundabouts and 114 new enhanced crosswalks and 114 get out of here yeah the way wow. it's up 114 110 new reconstructed disabled ramps 39 new disabled ramps um 20 new benches 150 street trees so again it's that comprehensive package of improvements that really impressed the reviewers of this application um, that showed that there's this whole network. It's gonna help people get to school. It's gonna help people get to the Orange Line. It's gonna help people get to the LA River Greenway, whether it's to get to their job or a school or to do recreation. I mean, this is mainly about transportation for more than recreational purposes, um, but it really creates a whole network of improvements. And I love it. the transformative nature that Caltrans said, if we're gonna have fun, some big projects, you better prove to us that you're doing something that's really going to change people's mind about their neighborhood. And like you said, then Owens Mouth is this very charming commercial little street. And Owen, uh, Owens Mouth and Sherman Way is like, what was that? Like a railroad town at some point? Like there's, there's these little clusters, like in Van Nuys, there's a little downtown where they, like yeah. the development is well, a lot of it was around where there, you know, uh, uh, I mean, for Van Nuys anyway, it was because of the trolley car. I forgot if there was a trolley car stuck near here, but most likely. Anyway, yeah, those, um, so we were able to convince Caltrans and the CTC that a $30.7 million application was worth them funding. The city also has $7.8 million in match. So this is really like a $39 million project. So 
Canoka Park's getting big time. <laughs> yeah, cool that's stuff. good. And I so would Hil add Hillary, were you on the other side of that? Did you did is this yeah. like you received the application or how? Yes. And okay. and I also want to say that when when Deborah's talking about thirty point seven million dollars, the average ap application that we funded was five million. So yeah, this was huge. really something where it's like the the application was funded because it was so comprehensive because it really did talk about uniting a lot of neighborhoods and and making these corridors for biking and connectivity to the orange line real and i think that's the part that is so important is that we can't just do these sort of special areas and have them not connected um and that's why we are moving forward with that two billion dollar request out of the budget surplus but i will say that one of the things that was so important about what deborah did and climate resolve and others is that people don't realize that in this part of the valley the number of days that are over 100 degrees it's not just heat about 80 plus it's over 100 especially last year and as our climate is changing it's just murder and so also having the cool pavement and being able to walk and ride bikes so that you can cool off is, is and and street trees is really important it's a health benefit as well as a safety benefit and so it was just an extraordinary application and the combination was too good to pass up and I think it was just really says a lot about Deborah's um, expertise when she unites these disparate projects and makes sure that they interact because that's really what's going to get people to feel like they can get out of their cars and do something else because it's all been thought of and it's all networked beautifully. Yeah, thanks for reminding me because I didn't get to the my list of the urban cooling stuff. But yeah, we put cool pavement along the orange line, bike path, make a little bit better separation between where people walk and bike, have some like shade structures at certain like cooling station points along um, the route on the orange line between Valerio and Ben Owen. Yeah. Um, so people have a place to rest, they can fill their water bottle, they have a bench to sit on, chill out, meet your friend, you know. So Dawn, you know, you need to meet some buds out there. You say, hey, meet me at Sherman Bay <laughs> and the Orange Line and we'll uh, hang out. I, I, do. I, I, I ride on the Orange Line in that area a lot. And, um, you know, it's true. There's, there's, there's a lack of connection like Owen's mouth. Like I yeah, want to be in that neighborhood. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's crazy right there. The, like they the think size of the intersection. Just, going along the, the bike trail and not making a connection into the neighborhood. You know, you just don't go from point A to point B at the beginning and end of, a, of the orange line. You're stopping in between and you've got to make the east-west connections and all of that. Yeah, so, and the, and the shade trees are key. And, you know, this is something that I've been really pushing on Caltrans over the years because when I've been writing these ATP applications since 2014. And the first thing they would always say is, well, we're not gonna fund trees. You can only do like less than 10% of your budget can be used for trees because we don't do that. You know, you get that some urban greening money to, to fund your trees. We're not gonna fund that. And I've been like on the phone with Lori Waters and other staff at, uh, over the years to sort of say, it's essential. People are not gonna walk on the street if they don't have shade. They're not gonna ride their bike in a hot neighborhood like this if we don't have trees. So over time, and other people obviously have done this too, not just me, um, that, that through that encouragement, um, they're now more willing to fund these kind of the, the trees and a little bit of the beautification work, not at the expense of doing the nuts and bolts of getting a good bikeway, but um, anyway. But the whole point I know that um, Nick wanted us to talk about is, a lot of cities don't apply for these grants because it's so competitive. And they spend all the time, um, this time around, and you had to have a score of 92 to get funded because we had so little money. And I think the issue is we don't have enough money. It's not that the projects aren't good enough. And yes, we wanna have these big transformative ones, but some smaller projects and smaller cities also need to get funded. So I think Hillary should tell us now about some strategies. How much money was allocated this year for the, was it 440 or something? Yeah, and then, and then 
one thing I do want to say about that is that a hundred percent of the projects that we were programmed were um, benefited disadvantaged communities. I mean, so that it, it's like, not only are we making sure that the money is going absolutely where it needs to go, but that the, the programs were five times oversubscribed, especially during COVID people really reignited their love for biking and, you know, people who didn't normally bike were, were starting to really understand the beautiful experience of slower streets and biking and walking. And so one of the things that we have asked for, and it's important that you know that in our annual report last year, we said this program is oversubscribed and we actually asked for money to come out of cap and trade for additional ATP money. We have long felt that there should be more funding sources for active transportation, federal, state, and otherwise. So, yes. but I also want to point that this last meeting that we had with the CTC, our vice chair, Bob Alvarado said, look, let's just do this fully and, and in the surplus, because the surplus is $25 billion, to have $2 billion go to um, active transportation projects. And the reason is because there were so many projects that were that scored well, but also we want to fund some important things like um, bike highways because, and those bicycle highways are projects like rail to rail and rail to river on Slauson, um, the San Gabriel Valley Regional Greenway Network and the San Gabriel, like we want, instead of sort of waiting and piecemealing projects just in order to get these connected corridors, let's do the whole thing. And, you know, Measure M had over $400 million for the LA River bike path. And it's that same thing where we want to have a totally connected corridor and do it all at once. And that's why spending this money now on major projects and that connectivity is so important. And that's why um, $2 billion for this out of the surplus, we feel is a very important next step to get these larger projects that fully connected so that we can see these bike highways as a way of talking about this in, in the same kind of conversation that we would have with a bus rapid transit or a, a major, you know, boulevard. That's what we want to make sure we can do like whole in whole cloth. I had a, a quick question. Over 20 years. That's right. I had a quick question. You mentioned cap and trade could possibly fund this. Is it also possible for the gas tax to fund this or did they? Well, gas tax, the gas tax does fund some of it. That's what we we're talking okay. about. The active okay, transportation gotcha. program is through SB1, which is the gas tax. Amazing. But because of the, but because of the, the ways that programs were set out when SB1 was created, there are certain limits in what each pro program can fund. And so we're saying, look, we've shown that there's all this interest, but we're not the only game in town. SB1 is not the only funding source for, you know, zero emission travel in the state or in the federal government. Have other people come in and understand what these fully executed projects look like and do for communities and for the goals like Governor Newsom has for um, reducing carbon emissions and moving people better in a fully you know active transportation zero emission way and so that's what we also think this is the right year to make sure we you know make a big bet as they say on active transportation are you are you finding that the the global the climate is the selling point or is it just a whole does it, is it just a whole complex web of things that you sell people on? Like, well, I think part of it is the climate. I think what people really do understand is that these networks, if you're going to invest in bike corridors, don't have them be, you know, a couple blocks here and a couple blocks there. Do it so that people can actually have a safe trip the entire way that they want to travel so that you can actually start looking at bike commuting and bike um, travel like for recreation, but have, but be feel that you can send your child to bike safely to school on a corridor. Um, those have to have, you know, real protections and real networks so that people don't feel like, well, you, you're safe for this, this spot, but not for other spots, etc. And I do think it's important because 
the bike corridors will also help the um, some of the challenges of, of bike pedestrian interactions on sidewalks that we want to have safe bike corridors because we want to also have safe walking corridors too. And so if we can invest in the combination to do it thoroughly in one year, it makes it better than doing it piecemeal when you have these other interactions that may make walking less fun and secure as well. And it yeah. especially works like in a, in a political sense too, because piecemeal projects always get bemoaned by the public there's like ah oh, that's you know that's not usable or that that doesn't work because it doesn't connect that's like, right this is yeah i mean as much as it's a bit of a disappointment the my figueroa project um from martin luther king up to seventh street in downtown three miles of some protected some some uh buffered bike lane but in two years, there's been an over 600% increase in bike ridership on Figueroa. Right. So just imagine if it would have been the street we all dreamed of, and maybe we'll get there. Um, we'll, we'll look at what was implemented under the Prop 1C grant as a demonstration project, and then we'll do the real thing later. Um, but that's phenomenal. And we need to use that as an example for if you do a real improvement that really can get people from USC and Expo Park into downtown. People who live in South LA can get to their jobs in downtown on a corridor like Figueroa, get off the sidewalk as Hillary mentioned, um, because that's where we were seeing all the riders. You know, but back in 2008, when we applied for the grant, we made statements about how, you know, every most of the cyclists were on the sidewalk. And that's not just kids, that was, yep. you know, guys who lived in South LA need to get their job at Staples Center um, as a janitor or whatever, we're riding on the sidewalk because it was too dangerous. Yeah, Figueroa's a nasty street. Seems like a slam dunk, too. It's like, well, how many students at USC and how many businesses? And that's uh, that's why we got that grant back in 2008. It was all, all those numbers. You know, you use mm. all this data you show. And that's the other thing I'm very proud of. Um, I think some of you know Mehmet Berker. He always works with me and does all this great data collection and all those maps that we utilize to um, uh, have as, and they're not required documents, many of them that we show in our grant applications because we want to prove all the destinations that are there, the connections that can be made um, to these important locations that the community needs to get to their job and to do their uh, errands and such. And that's, that's why we recommended cap and trade as a, as a potential for funding, because Deborah's right. The data is so important and there isn't a lot of good mile by mile biking and walking data. And that is a shame because we really have the technology to do it. And it's so important as the governor and the legislature and, and the federal government are all looking at how we're counting zero emission travel the fact that we are not counting all the walking and biking we're doing as contributions to those um, really important goals is, is a lost opportunity. And it shouldn't be there because the more that we can have those metrics, the more we can start embedding that into traffic demand management opportunities and these other larger funding options that really require metrics to show that it's a mitigation and that you're actually traveling by zero emission. Yeah. transportation. Well, I think some of the things that will help um, with that data is um, the state, um, California's Strategic Growth Council has their Transformative Climate Communities yep. grants. And part of each of those grants is they have to keep all the data because they're using that cap and trade money to fund projects. So I don't know if folks are aware, but um, Back in 2017, the first round of those TCC, Transformative Climate Communities grants, the Watts community um, got $35 million through the, with the Housing Authority as the lead um, partner, along with 16 other partners. Tree People's going to plant 4,000 trees. It's going to be bike and pet improvements. There's you know, 250 units of affordable housing. There's a new urban farm that uh, WLCAC is doing. And um, solar panels and stuff like that. So all of those projects are going to keep data because the state is going to use that as a resource of an example of what we can do if we are getting more people to walk and bike and we're getting uh, cleaning up greenhouse gases um, with changing to electric 
dash buses and planting these trees and stuff. So this data collection part, I think, is a, is a really um, key one. And luckily, like the thing I mentioned with Figueroa Corridor, DOT finally took over doing some of the pet and bike counts that LA Walks, which I'm the founder of, and um, the Bike Coalition for like 10 years had volunteers. I'm sure some of you guys were out there counting counting folks at intersections. I did Sunset and at Sunset Junction like three three or four different times over six years. And um, so the city's doing that. They need to do more. Um, they only did like 30 locations or something. Um, they need to get that up to like 3,000 because um, this data matters and we can make, improve the success. Yeah, and, and to support our $2 billion request, we, we're going to put the, the request up on our website at CTC, but we would love if more people supported this and let the governor know that it's important and there are projects that are ready to go and could really use this money now. And we're going to have this also in our May um, CTC meetings. So please, if your listeners are supportive of this, we absolutely have to hear it because numbers matter. And, you know, this is something where surplus money, it's, you know, it's a unique opportunity to do it right. And we really think that it's important to get this money now to do it right now. So, okay, where do people go? Uh, you mentioned it's on the CTC website. Let's let's yes. get people yeah. the, right. if to you the right spot. California Transportation Commission, it's going to be up on the website on Monday. And then okay. our, we'll have information about our upcoming meetings and in May. And because they're all, you know, on Zoom, it's going to be, it's going to be easier than having to show up to testify. Oh my God. That's one thing I love about <laughs> yeah. the silver lining is you don't have to go to some crazy meeting. Down well, you don't have to go to Sacramento. I mean, how yeah. is yeah, 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 yeah. All that stuff. That's even that better. Stuff. So, they need to keep that. How are they going to keep this format or what? Like the, the, we need this. Well, Anyways, I hope there's going to be a hybrid. I hope there's going to be a hybrid format of you know personal interaction and and this you know screen interaction so that people can can do it. And you know the Southern California Association of Governments SCAG has done this hybrid format actually for a long time because the SCAG region is so huge and it works very well. So I hope, and the City Council has been doing that with their before COVID had their Van Nuys City Hall and LA City Hall, and they would take testimony from the Van Nuys City Hall. So exactly. I just want to say thank you, Deborah, for my fig, my figura, and thank you for Canoga Park. And what, what else should I be thanking you for? Oh, you could thank me for that $35 million for Watts. Can also thank me for $23 million for Pacoima and Sun Valley. That's all. Eagle Rock. Awesome. Don't forget my neighborhood. And, and then. Oh, uh, Eagle Rock, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then $16 million for Eagle Rock Boulevard. And. Uh, <laughs> so, so. Uh, uh -huh. Okay. So, like, we've had Jim Shanman on before uh, yeah. in the past, and I was calling him the Mr. Rogers of the bike scene. But I think we're going to call you the Oprah of, like, <laughs> Of of the of the same oh, it's like yeah, yeah you're just like giving money us money like we're gonna get millions <laughs> of dollars like right. <laughs> you get a curb cut and you get a curb cut yeah no cars I'm not you get a giving away traffic cars. circle <laughs> no car giveaway but you're I, giving up like East Side Riders which you're giving away bikes and tennis shoes and all that kind of good stuff so yeah so I think we're also learning that cities need to be hiring you to get those grants, right? Like, yeah, I help Culver City get the funding. Um, this one is just about finished now. It's on, this was also an ATP grant back in 2015 for uh, Alinda Street. There's a new protected bike lane that goes from Washington Boulevard down to Culver Boulevard um, and a bunch of improvements on Washington Boulevard there near, um, oh, what am I forgetting, elementary school? Just escaped my mind. And then uh, some other improvements up on Venice Boulevard and then all around this uh, school there. Uh, oh, Biona Elementary. It's Biona Elementary. I'm wondering how you do what you do so successfully. Data is one key part of it. Yeah, that. data. And the best part is when my firm or firm like me gets hired to both 
do the community-based design process, as well as write the grant so that we make sure that the things that the community has come up with during that community-based design process, which is like what we did for Eagle Rock Boulevard. We had a series of four workshops where the community identified what are the problems and the opportunities. They sat around tables and marked all this stuff up on the plans of Eagle Rock Boulevard. This is from New York to Colorado. They then at the next workshop broke into groups and designed their stretch of that street, how they want, where they wanted new traffic lights, where they wanted the bike facilities, where they wanted new crosswalks, you know, what were some of the side street issues and connections over to Eagle Rock Boulevard. And then our design team coalesced those ideas into a proposed scheme that then we reviewed again at the fourth workshop with all community members. And then we turned that into a grant application. So that's also what the CTC and Caltrans is looking for is that the community generated these ideas. This isn't just some engineer in a back room coming up with some idea. It needs to be from the community. And that's, I think, the best thing that California is doing is that they make this a requirement for state parks grants, for those uh, TCC grants, for the ATP grants, for all of this funding. The state is really on it that the community asked for these things, the community designed them, and the community will be involved in implementation. And it's so important because the money needs to get spent. And there's nothing worse than having than, than giving money to a project that, you know, obviously you're seeing that if it's five times oversubscribed, you're beating out lots of other projects. And so if that money's sitting someplace and not getting spent, it really is a waste. We want to make sure that every project is getting worked on and that money is going out and doing the good it's supposed to be doing because there are four other projects that could have been using that money every single time. Yeah. So that's why like I did the Eagle Rock Boulevard application three years ago. And now I'm like, you know, in Zoom meetings with not getting paid uh, with Streets LA and with community members in Eagle Rock to say, now we're going to hold your feet to the fire. We're not going to let you, you know, mess up this design, come up with something else. Um, we ask for these improvements and we're going to make sure it gets implemented. So it, so my advice to Mark is, you know, just be there along the way and just be that rabid dog, sorry, at the heels of um, the public works department with your elected officials to get your projects implemented. It takes a lot of handholding and a lot of demanding, um, but that's the way it's going to pay off. And then like Hillary saying, there's money out there for these projects. Yeah. So even though Beverly Hills, you know, has got more money than many other communities, there is funding available, especially, you know, and only if you're going to implement the vision that your community has created through the complete streets plan or your bicycle plan or mobility plan, whatever you call it. So. All right. Deborah Murphy, Hillary Norton, you guys are like a one, two punch, right? Like, yeah, we've known each other right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> being Deborah's wonder twin. I like that. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm your wonder twin. No, you're my wonder twin. No, you're my wonder twin. <laughs> no, I love it. Okay, so um, we're going to get that California Transportation Commission website link up yes. somewhere with, with our podcast so people can go there. They're going to put in comment on Two billion dollars. Yes. Two billion dollars. Yes, Governor Newsom, put this in your budget. Two billion dollars for ATP and for bike highways. Okay. You know, maybe we need to have a, a talk with uh, uh, Streets for All with Michael Schneider because he's been doing. Those guys have been doing a great job of putting out uh, emails with uh, calls to action. So maybe there's like a we can yeah. get that in there and, no, we can and do that help in. you guys somehow. Uh, Los Angeles walks and we get the bike coalition. And okay, get cool. Mark to get that out to the people he knows, and Don, you got, and, um, and Nick, you've all got good mailing lists. So, yeah, just really in and with that input. Let's get the money. Well, thanks. Get it. I like that. Let's get money. <laughs> it's not, I swear to God, I, like last week we were all kind of trying to brainstorm about lawsuits and all this stuff, and it was a little bit depressing. And today it feels the exact opposite. It sounds like yeah. there's tons of money and tons of promise. So there's tons of uh, energy around this, which is yeah. exciting. Yeah. All right. 
Uh, Deborah Murphy and, and Hillary, Hillary Norton, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having thanks us. For coming on the show and golf, golf clap, more than a golf clap. We need like, <laughs> Nick, do we have like an audience cheering sample that we can throw on real quick? All right, All right cool. thanks for coming on, guys. We're gonna Thank we're gonna you. have you guys back on in the future, and uh, you know, anytime, come back anytime. Okay, great. Nice Thank to meet you, Mark. It's a great interview. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Absolutely. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye. Okay. So that was that was incredibly uplifting. Wow. Like uh, just when you thought um, you know there was no hope, all of a sudden there's all this hope. So I don't know. Last week had me down a little bit because I was like. There's no hope. We're not going to get things done. But here we have Deborah with all this great news. There's so much money available. I didn't even know that we had a budget surplus. I thought COVID was going to kill everything, and um, you know we're going to there's going to be a bunch of new taxes or something. But I guess uh, the gas tax and cap and trade and probably a bunch of money from property taxes and so forth because of all the housing rise in prices and everything. Who knows? This $2 billion, it comes from, I still don't understand, but it comes from uh, like the, what's the fund called? Is it different? I thought it was the places? ATP fund. The ATP fund. And the, and yeah. the ATP fund comes from? Like, the state the, budget. Okay. All right, but this, this is where your average numbskulls like ourselves don't really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So it's good to have uh, the professionals on to, to tell us the good news. Mm-hmm. So, um, cool. All right, with that, we're going to take it out. Thanks for tuning in to Bike Talk, the KPFK live stream. Hand up biz. listening to this episode of Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group.